morning, church family. How y'all doing this morning? Man, y'all are looking good. I think Pastor John was right. That extra hour did y'all some good today. I, I, I remember I looked at my, 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 my microwave this morning when we speak. And I was like, that's why it felt so good to get up early. I was like, there it is. It didn't reset automatically, right? Um, but hey, if I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Cody Lehman, and I'm recently on staff over the last about seven to eight months. And I just want to say, man, this is just incredible church. And my wife and I, who my wife led worship a bit ago, I don't know where she's at, but come on. Uh, we are honored to be part of the Gateway Fellowship Church family. Ooh, it's so good to be here, y'all. I love what God is doing here. So we honor you, John and Stephanie. You guys are incredible pastors, incredible leaders. Thank you for leading us into discipleship and soul winning and reproducing churches. Can we honor our pastors here for a second? Come on, thank God. But I want to take a second and I want to kind of just lean into this miracle offering moment that's happening next week. Uh, I am, I'll be honest with you, I am full of faith. Now, I'll be honest with you, I don't know any other way, to be honest with you. When I gave my life to Jesus when I was 17, I was surrounded by faith people and faith preachers, and we just believe God. And, and I don't know if you realize this recently, but we are called believers. Not doubters. Right? We are called believers. So what do we do? We believe. We believe God. And we believe in a God that is real. We believe in a, a God that is powerful and active and alive and is working and cares about our lives and what and in building his church and seeing his kingdom come as will be done. So I believe God. Next week I'm, I'm super excited. Now, uh, one, this is something that I'm really extremely passionate about. And because my, God began to teach my wife and I this probably back in about 2012 where he began to really teach us this principle that you can't outgive God. And that he loves a cheerful giver. Okay, no, nowhere, in, nowhere in any part of it does he ever want to arm twist. The Bible says he wants a cheerful giver. And, and, and we begin to learn. real honest with you, there's been times where it's been scary to give, but every time we've watched God step into the gap as we've been spirit-led in our giving. And, and, and then I remember just recently, it was, it was as we came to San Antonio, we moved this way from Kansas City, which by the way, I don't know if you're paying any attention, the Jayhawks have a football team this year. Come on, somebody. Like, I know I'm in Texas, but yesterday I want you to know that we, did, we felt good enough about our win over Oklahoma State. Where's Josh Brannon? Come on, somebody. Good enough about our win over Oklahoma State that we tore down the field goal post. Come on, you know that's been a, you know it's a bad time when you just Barely win uh, uh, on a top top twenty five team, and you tear down the goalposts. Yeah, but we do have basketball. I'm just saying. In case you ain't paying attention, we are national champions. But where did we start talking about the Jayhawks? Amen. Oh, but we <laughs> we just moved this way from from Kansas City, and and when we did, we 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 landed here, and um, this this would have been late November, early December last year. And as we're landing here, we, we, we landed in a spot out in the hill country on the other side of Bandera, and we were just kind of believing God. We, I'll just be real honest with you, this was a step of faith for us to come. And, and the way God did it was incredible. But as we, were, as we were here for a week or two, God began to speak to my wife and I about giving a really big seed. Uh, a one-time seed that, that was going to be bigger than anything we ever made. In fact, five times bigger than we had ever given in a single moment. 
And when I say seed, what I mean is he asked us to give a financial uh, gift to the church as a seed, believe in God for a harvest. And, and, and so we began, to, we began to just pray and seek the Lord about it. And, and as he did that, he reminded me of Genesis 26. Well, there's a man named Isaac. The Bible says that in a time of famine, he brought seed and he planted seed when it didn't look like he should. Come on, can we speak to 2022 when it looks like we're, we're headed towards an economic downturn? Right, he brought seed when it didn't look like he should and he sowed it. And the Bible said in the same year, he reaped a hundredfold return. Come on, can we give God praise for that right there? First of all, that's the God we serve. But then there's two things that I want to point out about this. That hundredfold jumped off the page at me. Because what captured me about Gateway was our 100x vision. As my wife and I were in transition, we had opportunities in front of us. But what captured us was this 100x vision, this vision to plant 100 churches. Guys, that captures me. I mean, that like drives me, that gets me up every day thinking we can be part of an organization of a church that is a church planting church and we're going to plant 100 churches. Y'all, I don't know if you realize that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Man, when we get that done, y'all, heaven is rejoicing over our nine right now, but we got 91 to go. Come on, somebody. And we're going to see this happen, both locally and globally. We're going to see this happen. And so that just jumped off the page at me that there's a hundredfold return and a hundred churches. Then the Holy Spirit said, look at where Isaac was. Remember, this is as we're sowing this seed at the beginning, kind of at the end of last year. The Bible says... Isaac was in the land of Gerar. Holy Spirit tapped me on the shoulder and said, why don't you go look up what the word Gerar means, okay. Now remember this, at this point we're here in San Antonio where we're at. We're on the edge of the hill country. At this point I'm living in the hill country. And I look up this word Gerar and do you know what it means? It means the hill country. Y'all, you can't make this stuff up. You cannot make this stuff up. God had me sow the biggest seed we had ever sown in our lives to believe God for a hundredfold return on a hundred X vision in the hill country. And I want to, did you know that this church was started? The reason it was named Gateway Fellowship Church is because Pastor John and Stephanie had a vision for Gateway Church to be Gateway to the Hill Country Fellowship Church, y'all. That's incredible. And I just want you to know right now that I'm believing God. My wife and I, we're believing. Michelle and I, we are believing for next, next week. And I want to just remind you, this is not, this is not our miracle. This is the, what you got to understand. This is not our miracle. We, we don't need this offering next week to make the budget of, of our operating expenses. This is so we can fund gospel projects, so we can send missionaries, so we can plant churches, so we can build churches both locally and internationally, so we can do stuff in Oaxaca, and we can be obedient wherever God sends us. That's what this is for. So I really want to just challenge each one of us as we lean into this moment next week to fast and to pray. What would the Lord have you do? That's the question. What is the Lord asking you to do? What asking you to do. And uh, I think the goal is just that every one of us, to some degree, whatever that is, would just do something. And I think if we all are obedient together, not only will we fund these gospel projects, but we'll go above and beyond. Come on, can we give God praise in this place because he loves his church.
Did you guys find Romans 8? I didn't tell you to go Romans 8 yet, did I? We're going to Romans chapter 8 today. This is an incredible chapter in the Bible, y'all. I love this one. Um, in, ver- in chapter 6 and 7, we deal with death and sin. And then we get to chapter 8, and we're talking about the spirit of life. Come on, somebody. Woo, I'm excited. Hey, let me just say this real quick. I'm going to give you two ground rules as you guys find Romans chapter 8. You ready? First one is just right here. You got to talk back to me. Okay? You got to talk back to me. Some of y'all, I know you got that extra hour of sleep, and maybe you're just a touch sleepy, and so I need to make sure you're awake with me, all right? On the count of three, I'm going to say Jesus is king, and that I want you to shout with me. Are you ready? Come on out. I, I, mm-hmm. Okay? All right. One, two, three. Jesus is king. All right. Number two, if I say I love you, you say I love you. I hear you, Judah. Come on, I got my family set up in the front row. And, and my, my shirt is soaked right now, and I don't even care. My daughter got baptized this morning, somebody. I got to stop before I start crying right there. We're going to talk about Romans chapter 8 because the, the, the subject of Romans 8, and if you're looking at it from a, from a high arching view, is, is the spirit that gives Life. <laughs> and, and one thing, one thing you got to realize is, is when the Holy Spirit comes, when you say yes to Jesus, you are saying yes to the Holy Spirit coming into your life. Now, I'm not the smartest guy, but if somebody told me that, I would say, okay, first of all, who is he? And second, what is he going to do? Right? And, and we need to ask that question. If Holy which I don't know if you all realize this, that's as intimate as it gets. He's not just beside you. He's not on you. He is in you. What is he here to do? And and when I got to thinking about it, it reminded me of when I proposed to my wife and we got married and she moved in. Yeah. That was different. So I, I'm, 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 I grew up in a man's world. My dad, my dad was a single dad. And he's a cowboy. So you're talking about like girl stuff? <laughs> Never even saw it. You know what I'm saying? Like I had no idea. I had no idea what it was going to be like to live with a woman. Yeah? Right? Like, like she came in and she started, she started changing things. Like first of all, my towel, it wasn't on the floor like I always left it. And it started smelling different. And then I don't know, it was soft, and I never felt my towel feel soft. <laughs> and, and then it started smelling different, right? Like, like the house, I was like, where did, where did my musky smell go? Why does, why, does that, why does it smell like flowers? What are these weird chips on the counter? I don't even, they, don't, they taste weird. <laughs> so you're like, what, what, what chips? The potpourri, okay? You don't eat the potpourri, fellas. It's not a snack left out. I didn't know, right? <laughs> and so she, she comes in and she starts changing things and rearranging things. And, and it just reminds me because when I'm the type of guy that I'm going to be honest with you. I'm kind of like, when I set a couch down, I put it where I wanted it. And I never need to change it. My wife, on the other hand, every two weeks she wants it changed. Did anybody marry a rearranger? 
I mean, like, like for real, like you're going to come home and you think you're going to put your, your keys on the counter and, and on the table that's always right by the door and you come in and you throw your keys down on what you think is the table, but they hit the floor because the table that has been there your whole life is now gone. I'm married to that woman, okay. I love her. She's amazing, right. I'm like, no, nah, like this table right here, that's for my food. This is where I eat, okay. Like, like. She came in and started changing things, started rearranging things. And, and, and I learned after a while, I learned after a while to appreciate her because I found out that she's better at this than I am. And she knows where things should go in the room and she knows how to make it feel right and smell right and look right. And I learned to trust her and say, you know what, wherever you want things, babe, put them there. However you want it to smell, because after a while, guys, I'm going to be real with you, it's a lot better when it smells like roses. <laughs> better than like old towels that haven't been washed for 16 years, right? And, and one thing we've got to realize, and when the Holy Spirit comes in, and this is my first point, he's going to come in and change things. And he's going to begin to rearrange things. And my first point is that the Spirit brings life. He's going to bring things in because I don't know if you realize this, fellas. You probably look up here and see everything looking perfect, okay. But what happens is Holy Spirit's going to come. Let me read the scripture before I do that. Romans 8, 5 through 6. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But watch this. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is, somebody say it. Yes. Say it like you mean it. Yes. But to be spiritually minded is. Yes. And. So to be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. So the Holy Spirit's going to come to bring life. But the way he's going to do that practically, he's going to come into your heart because you become a new creature in Christ Jesus when you say yes to Jesus. All sin is forgiven and you become just like him, holy and set right before him. But how many of you all know that there's some practicality still needs to be worked out? And he's going to bring life to us. The way it's going to work out practically is in him rearranging our thoughts. Because if we become, and listen, listen, we can be, we can be saved and right with God, but our mind be wrong. And be producing death when we should be producing life and peace. And so what's going to happen is Holy Spirit's going to come in and he's going to begin to rearrange some things. Right? He's going to look at your thinking. He's going to look at that couch and he's going to say, that couch does not go there. That's better. It's getting a little better, huh, ladies? Am I getting better? A little bit better with the rug here? Come on, he's going to begin to say, you know what, that couch, I know you've had it there. I know you've thought like this for the last 34 years. But I need to rearrange some of this thinking because it's off-centered here. And I know that this is where you've always kept your bag. But it doesn't go there. You've got to make some room for some people, right? And, and, and this lamp in the corner, it would probably be a little better. That makes more sense, doesn't it? And then, and then he's going to look at these tables and he's going to go, all right, all right, all right, all right. Oh, we got to move this one first. Is this better? All right, am I getting better? All right. So over here, that looks better. And, and then, then the table, all right, right? Are we getting there? But then he's going to look at some things like this and he's going to go, no, nah, that can't stay here anymore. 
yeah, yeah. I, I know you like that pillow, but it's got to go. That pillow, that, that thought's got to go, and that, those thinking's got to go, and this thinking's got to go. And who even drinks Sprite, right? <laughs> so the first thing you've got to allow Holy Spirit to do is come in and, and rearrange your life a little bit. Let me ask you a question. Have you allowed Holy Spirit into your head? We invite him into our heart, but have you allowed him into your head? I know this is what you think about things. I know you have your opinions. And I know that you've been taught a certain way. But some of the greatest things that have to happen in our life is not what we learn, but what we unlearn. And let me just tell you right now that any of our thinking that does, that does not line up with this word has got to go. The Bible says to take every thought into obedience, take it captive to the obedience of Christ Jesus. So when those thoughts come your way that do not line up with this word, you're supposed to grab them and take them captive. Did you know when you go study 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul is literally using military terms when he says take them captive. He literally means put on your armor and go attack those thoughts and bring them down and parade them in front of the word and say submit and bow to the word of God. You see, some of us, we've been dealing with anxiety and depression and worry and fear. And we've allowed those thoughts just to dominate and dominate. And we allow them to stay and they're running our lives. And guess what they're producing? They're producing death. Some of us have been waiting for God to transform us. And can I tell you right now that that miracle you're looking for has already happened in your heart. But if it's going to happen in your life practically, it's going to be because you allow Holy Spirit into your head to change your thoughts. To be carnally minded is death. That means what the thinking that you brought into salvation has got to be put on the cross and allowed, given space for the word of God to enter in and become the dominant force of your life. Some of us, the reason we keep these cycles, the reason we can't seem to get over depression, the reason we're crying out to God, God rid me of anxiety and worry and fear, is not because God isn't answering. It's because you keep dwelling on the same things. The Bible says to be transformed in Romans chapter 12 verse 2, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. To be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Where will transformation take place? In the mind. That word in the Greek is metamorpho, where we get our word metamorphosis. It's not just an adaptation. It's a total change. You can't bring God's thoughts up next to the carnal thoughts and still get God's results. You have to allow them to be displaced. And the number one way, I'm going to give you a quick tool here real quick. The number one way that you overcome thought is not with more thoughts. Did you know this is called the word of God? It's logos, which is written, but the power of the logos word is when we release it into what's called the rhema word. 
And when you begin to speak and declare the word of God, did you know that words are stronger than thoughts? So when thoughts come your way, if you'll open up this word and then open your mouth and be to declare that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that you've been made new, that you are son of God, that you are daughter of God, and that you're made perfect in love, and you begin to declare these things over yourself, guess what? You can't say something on purpose and think about something else. So when thoughts, come, thoughts of fear or worry or lust come your way, guess what you do? You open your mouth and begin to declare the word of God. The first thing he's going to do is he's going to bring life. Whew, come on, somebody. I love you. The second thing he's going to do is he's going to bring confidence. Romans 8, 15 through 17. I love this, y'all. Like, like I'm going to be real with you. Like, we should be praising God as we read this. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Okay, now we're going we're gonna to stop here real quick because it said cry out. Didn't say whisper it. Didn't say think it. Didn't say even say it in a talking voice. It said cry out. So on the count of three, I want us to cry out, Abba, Father. This word, Abba, means most intimate Father God. I want you to declare that he is your Father. I want you to cry out that he is your Father. You need to hear it. Your neighbor needs to hear it. The devil needs to hear it. Come on, somebody. That you are a son of God. So we're going to cry out together. On the count of three, we're going to say, Abba, Father. We're going to cry it out at the top of our voice. One, two, three. Come on, do it again. Abba, Father. Come on, do it again. Abba, Father. Woo. Come on, somebody. Because <laughs> this is what Holy Spirit comes to do. He wants you to be confident that he is your father and you are his son. The Spirit himself will continue on in Romans chapter 8, 15 through 17. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we also may be glorified together. See, he comes to bring confidence, and what I was thinking about this is that the Holy Spirit doesn't want to just rearrange our lives, but he wants to decorate our lives a little bit, because there are some things that he wants to bring that are good, right, like, like pillows on couches, did you know those existed, fellas? I didn't, I, but I think there is a limit, ladies. If I can't sit, right? And if you put a, can, can we just establish a rule? If you put a pillow on a couch, it can be used for a nap. Because <laughs> I don't understand. Put pillows, right? Like, so Holy Spirit's coming, and he's going to begin to decorate our lives a little bit. And he's going to bring some pillows. These things are soft and they're nice, right? He's going to decorate our lives. And I don't even know where these pillows came from, but I'm like, they're called blessed tidings. How perfect is that? Holy Spirit is bringing blessed tidings. Amen. So he begins to come in and decorate our lives. I did this wrong in the first service, and my wife let me know. I left him here. Michelle said, nope, that one goes there. She's right. 
See, the Holy Spirit, he wants to decorate our lives with some confidence. He wants to bring some things into our lives. So he's not just here to rearrange and to change, but he's here to bring some things in our lives. And the number one thing he's here to do is to make, give you confidence that you are in and not out. That you are accepted in the beloved. I told you earlier that I was raised by a single dad. Um, Cowboy dad, and, and so like he's not only like like I said, not only am I grown up in a man's world, I have no idea what women things are, right? Um, right? Like I'll never forget, like I never I'll never forget like going into the shower and and seeing what I thought was like a, a whole dog like in the in the drain. You know what I'm talking about, ladies? Like and you pull it and it just never stops coming, and you're like, <laughs> right? I had no, nobody prepared me for that. <laughs> but uh, so I grew up with a, with a single dad, and, and part of part of when when you work in kind of an agriculture business, especially working with cattle, is is they don't take like Sundays off. You know, uh, they have to be worked seven days a week, and so. I had, I, had a, I had a babysitter growing up when I was four, five, six, seven, kind of in there. And she was incredible. She was from Mexico and taught me how to speak Spanish and, and also taught me about how they punish in Mexico. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's rough. Um, but um, I thank God for it because she was as close to a mother as I've ever had. She treated me like a son and she would call me mijo. And I don't even know what that meant, but it felt so good in my heart when she said it. You know, like, and... Uh, and, 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 and her son was about six months younger than I, and, and, but we became like brothers, best friends and brothers, and we're still friends today. And, and, and she was incredible. She was my babysitter growing up, right? And, and I remember, man, she treated me like I'm, she'd feed me and treat me like a son. And, and, but, but I always knew, I always knew that there, instinctually, she never had to tell me, nobody ever had to tell me, but I knew there was a limit to this thing. And, and, and I remember still to this day, I, I, I remember because... Because on Saturday mornings, my dad would drop me off real early and I'd be asleep on the couch and we'd get up and we'd kind of wake up and they had a TV. Like, I, like we didn't even have a television growing up, you know, but they had one. And it was one of the ones with the silver antennas. you got three channels, right? Um, there's not even a fourth, not even an option of a fourth. Like, it's three. Three, in my, in my world, it was channel three, six, and 13. That was it. And I remember it was Saturday morning and... And I remember Saturday mornings because we would get up and we'd watch cartoons. You remember cartoons Saturday mornings? Come on. We'd watch cartoons on Saturday mornings. And, and I knew, I mean, we'd be sitting there watching it. Every now and then he would, he would get up and he would go to the other end of the house and he would go into his parents' bedroom and, and he would go in and he would snuggle and have a good time and hang out and all that. But I always knew that as much as I was in, I knew I couldn't go there. I knew there was a limit. Nobody had to tell me. I just knew there was a limit. To my inness of this family. And I think there's a lot of Christians who carry that babysitter mentality into the kingdom. Yes, he's God. Yes, I'm glad I get to go to heaven. But you don't realize the level of intimacy he's called you to. You don't realize that he wants to be your father. Your dad. In fact, that word Abba literally means daddy in the Greek. It literally means daddy. Daddy God. And Holy Spirit is here today to, to get rid of that I'm not good enough mentality. His role in our lives is, is to 
bring a revelation that you are in and not out. The number one thing he wants to get across to you today is that you are accepted in the beloved. If you've said yes to Jesus, you don't have to sit out in the, in the living room. You can come right in to the most, in, most intimate place with God and you can crawl up on his lap and you can say, Dad, I'm here. You're my father and I'm your son. You're mine and I am yours. The greatest revelation of the kingdom, y'all, this is the greatest revelation. There is not a greater one. You can study the whole word of God. This is it. You are in. That's it. It doesn't get any better than that. The Holy Spirit comes and he brings joy. And he wants you to know you're accepted and beloved. Quit bringing that slavery mindset into the kingdom. Quit bringing that fear mindset into the kingdom. Quit bringing that I'm not good enough, that rejected, that nobody wants me, nobody loves me. You are loved. You are wanted. You are called. You are accepted. You are his. And he is yours. And that is what the Holy Spirit wants to bring. To bring life and to bring confidence that you are in. There's so much I could say about Romans 8. But I would be really remiss if I didn't say, just cover this really quick in Romans 8.26. It says, the likewise the Spirit helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. For the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Not only does he bring confidence that we're in, but he brings confidence that you're able in this moment here, he says he wants to bring an ability that is beyond your own. We call this in our Pentecostal circles, we call this the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Listen, when you say yes to Jesus, he comes inside of you. But there is more of the same Holy Spirit available. And we call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this is what he's saying. He said, not only do I want to let you know that you're in, but I want you to know that you're able to do what I've called you to do. How many of y'all have ever felt like you were weak and couldn't do it? You didn't know what to say. I would witness to that person, but I'll ne I don't know what to say. I, 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 would, I, I would try to teach a Bible study, but I don't know the word very well. I want to let you know right now, the Holy Spirit is here to help your weaknesses. When you don't know what to do, when you don't know what to say, when you don't feel smart enough, guess what? You're not, but he is. And he wants to work and pray and minister through you if you'll let him. You've got to let him, not only into your heart, but into your mind. I love you. At the end of Romans 8, verses 31 through 39, some theologians call it the crescendo of all of Scripture, the climax, the highest point. I don't have time to cover it all, but it's a... Final creed of sonship, a creed for the life in the spirit, a creed for life and confidence. And within it, then these few verses, Paul asks four questions. The first question is, if God be for us, who can be against us? The second question is, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Number three, who is he who condemns? And number four, who shall separate us from the love? Of Christ. What I felt like the Holy Spirit was leading me to do this week was I want us to answer these questions together and I want to make a declaration out of these answers. In fact, I want us to stand up on our feet today for just a few more minutes, if you would. And I want us together as a church body to declare 
answers and responses to these. Because for every one of these questions, there is a biblical response. There is a biblical response to every one of these questions. And I want us to declare them together. They're going to be on the screen behind me. After each question, I'm going to answer them again. And then after the fourth question, we're going to crescendo in worship. But the first question is, if God be for us, who can be against us? Now, I want us to read this together. And I want us to make a declaration, like, to really say it. Because I need you to hear it. I need your neighbor to hear it. I want God to hear it, and I want Satan to hear it. If God be for us, who can be against us? The answer is, let's read this together. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Since God is for me, it doesn't matter who is against me. I boldly stand with God, and he powerfully stands with me. Yeah. The second question, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? The answer, ready? No one. I have been justified by the resurrection of Jesus. I stand before God whole, right, clean, and fully accepted as his son. I am qualified to partake of the inheritance in Christ. I'm accepted in the beloved. The blood of Jesus makes it so. Come on, church. This is good news. Question three is he, who is he who condemns? The answer, Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ. And I love the last two verses. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Verses 38 and 39, Paul answers, he said, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, 